you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What is happening? This is Greg Rosenthal. Before we get to the show, a few words about our favorite sponsor, FanDuel.com. NFL season not over just yet. Your fantasy football league's probably over. I'm in the title game this week, but if you're like Mark or Dan, you've lost a long time ago, but you can still keep playing fantasy football and win real money each and every week at FanDuel.com. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use the code AROUND and sign up now. We have a new user special Ending soon, FanDuel will match your first deposit up to $200 for free. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use the code AROUND. Joe Watson from New York played fantasy football on FanDuel two weeks last season. He won over $30,000. That is ridiculous. Joey. FanDuel.com, where every week is a new new season. Again, that code is AROUND. FanDuel.com. Sign up today. The Around the NFL podcast doesn't do route concepts. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Wednesday show. Middle of the week. Hump day. Get over that hump. Week 16. Get excited. I sense a little bit of fatigue setting in. Mark seems very uh, quiet today at the office. Mark was a little dark Sessler no, this morning. I, Greg, I explained it to you. I, wo- I woke up in the <laughs> middle of the night in my house. It's 3 in the morning. I couldn't get but there, sleep. There is an end of the season fatigue. It's a real thing. We've been you know, cranking at it. That, that's happened. We've talked about that before, too. Oh, well, right? that's a very real, tangible thing, but that was a separate issue. That always, That's always alive at this time of year to some degree. Greg, uh, I mean, Mark is kind of like late-period Namath, though, where even though his body might be shot, <laughs> he will tape up those legs. He'll go from calf to thigh to get on that field to come kickoff. That's what you're doing right now. Right. So you're 50% of what you used to be, but at least you're trying. Yeah, I'm not – that's – you know, Dan, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that throw again. In, <laughs> throw in the Stone Temple Pilots plug here, half the man I used to be. Wow, a little STP. <laughs> Wes, I like you moving into the 90s with your song references. That's <laughs> Come good. on, man. That's a 20-year jump. I love it. Uh, all right, big show today. A great show today. A lot to get to. We're going to um, – speaking of Mark Sessler – and we better hope he's got those legs taped up because we're going to dig in deep on his rookie grades, uh, both the AFC and NFC, which he's rolled out the last two weeks. Uh, you should definitely check that out. Am I wrong? Why is well, everyone smiling? Well, it's just showing once again you clearly what? haven't read these articles. It was the offense <laughs> and the defense. That's fine. What did I say? Uh, you said AFC, AFC and NFC. NFC. Not a single difference. You guys get caught up the in the semantics. I loved both pieces. <laughs> I really did. Uh, also, we're going to uh, uh, we're going to open up the mailbag. 
mailbag, which we haven't done in a while. We um, sent out a prompt uh, about a couple hours before the show and got a lot of great questions. We're going to hit that up. I'm just Uh, glad I no longer have to deliver it. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) The mailman got his name because he was a mailman. It's a true story. Uh, We're also going to hit on that that scorcher Thursday night game between the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, we're going to do all that, but before we get into that, those aspects of the show. We're going to start by saying hello to TD behind the glass. How are you, buddy? What's going on, guys? Mark, you have a rookie grade for me? Yeah, I got a B, solid B minus. Huh. But okay. you weren't a first round pick, so that's that fine. You're, you're actually wow. over delivered. Mark only trade, graded the first round picks. He only graded the first round. Wait, oh, what? See. What round is? What round are we talking for, TD? TD was fourth round. Which, Holy by trade. the way, no, you had Come some on. off the field issues that scared probably uh, twenty five teams some away. Some baggage. You were a second rounder that dropped to the yeah, fourth. Yeah, that's what he's saying. There were some negative reports, um, well, mixed reports, I yeah. would say, from other executives, league executives. Look, you got to get out Damashek of the, being one of them. You, <laughs> you got to get out of the trainer's room. This missing practice because of sniffles thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You can't make the club in the tub, my friend. <laughs> you should not have asked, basically. <laughs> anyway, let's <laughs> love you, TD. Uh, Merry Christmas. Let's do some news. NASCAR trout deep Scooby right F short switch salt swirl. <laughs> I'm ready to play, guys. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I love it. All right, we'll start in Dallas where the big injury news of the week revolves around running back DeMarco Murray, the league's leading rusher, who suffered a uh, fractured bone in his hand late in Sunday night's win over the Eagles, underwent surgery on the hand Monday, and by Wednesday was on the practice field in some semblance. I think he was officially listed as uh, DNP, but he was doing some work on the side. So it appears from everything we're hearing that the Cowboys – have not abandoned the idea of DeMarco Murray playing on Sunday in a huge game against the Colts. So, uh, gentlemen, is this is first of all, none of us are doctors, but does it seem a little strange that someone would have surgery, a running back would have surgery on his hand on Monday and then play on Sunday? We've heard some examples of this happening before. Emmett Smith was one. I forget the other one. And generally, Terrell Owens was another. A player usually misses one week and maybe they can get back for the next game. Emmett Smith, a different category of human being, though. I don't know. I played through some crazy, crazy stuff. I think no, it's that's just, true. You know, I mean, he, Mar- Murray has been a guy that's been injury prone. It's a good call. I, I think uh, one thing to keep in mind, though, is, and I believe Jerry Jones said it, that the Cowboys, in his opinion, have the the deepest backfield in terms of depth. Their b- backfield is something that he thinks is the deepest for this team. So Joseph Randall can do some damage. So you know, we don't necessarily have to give Demarco Murray the ball thirty times. Uh, you have some other guys you can lean on here. I'm dubious of that. I don't agree with Jerry Jones that this is one of their deepest positions. I think it's a huge, huge drop-off from DeMarco Murray to Joseph Randall. It is a crazy profession that you have hand surgery on Monday and your profession is literally to do an athletic feat with your hands, and he's out there on practice field. We saw him making one-handed catches today. You know, they they listed if it did not practice, but he's running around making one-handed catches. Imagine if, you know, if TD had hand surgery Monday, he'd be out the whole week. A week? <laughs> about a decade? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was un- an unnecessary the, shot. I mean, listen. The, the cow- it is funny, though. Imagine if one of you guys had hand surgery Monday. I don't know. I don't know if the we're ca- back writing. The right Cowboys, uh, they put Tony Romo <laughs> back in the game. <laughs> what do you take us for? We wouldn't be able to come to work and hunt and peck at a type. At well, a I don't know. You only got one hand there. Oh, I, think I, I had a day where I did 11 posts with a concussion. That's true. Well, you didn't know you had a concussion. To the right? disservice of the reader. I, I mean, was going to no say, how were those no, posts? No, they were a, a gasoline mess. But, but uh, it seems to me, especially when Tony Romo came at, back into the game on the same day he broke his back, essentially, uh, that the Cowboys, they'll probably lean on the side of taking a chance and putting in a star player because they're that desperate to get back to the playoffs. They know, we talked about it in our last show, that despite the win over the Eagles, they are very uh, vulnerable to getting knocked out of this picture with just one bad week. So I think it would be a surprise if Murray isn't on the field. Would, Mo- would Murray's status be enough for you guys to like change your pick potentially? He's playing. I'm he, picking yeah. the Colts regardless. No, I think mm. he's the center of their offense all year long. So, and I agree with West. You can't expect, oh, we're going to go 80% Joseph Randall. He's been good in spurts. I mean, he's not a bad guy to spell DeMarco Murray. But the, Colts aren't, to... the Colts aren't scared of Joseph Randall. No, of course not. Not as a lead guy. Okay, moving on. Aaron Rodgers has come out and spoken about the uh, issue with Jay Cutler and Aaron Cromer, the offensive coordinator for the Bears, of course. 
Cromer, uh, as an anonymous um, source for Ian Rappaport, our NFL media insider, uh, said that the Bears might be having some buyer's remorse. Well, he didn't say that. He he went out of his way to tell the team, I didn't say the buyer's remorse bit, but mm, but he true. did admit to the fact that he had frustration with Cutler and that Cutler wasn't changing the plays at the line of scrimmage, the game management. That was the one thing he was particularly frustrated with. Right. So anyway, that gets that turns into Cromer apologizing tearfully to the team for speaking about Cutler to a reporter. And now Aaron Rodgers uh, chimed in on the situation this week, saying he was, quote, baffled by the situation. Here's Rodgers' quote Tuesday in an interview with our own Mike Silver. I would have a major problem if somebody said something like that. I think anybody that plays the position, you can't help but empathize with Jay for that situation. Uh, and he goes on and continues to basically get in Jay Cutler's corner, which not a lot of people are in Jay Cutler's corner uh, this time of year. Isn't the difference here that there was an attribution to the comments? I mean, players across the league are ripped internally, and it goes to national media sources. We hear about this every week, or or coaches are, or GMs, or whatever. There's all this internal criticism floating about Cromer, whether he considers it a mistake or not, he owned up to it or was caught somehow. He must That's have been, the difference. He must have been forced into – I don't know how – no one knows and no one's reported how that all happened. But some way, somehow, Mark Tressman decided that Aaron Cromer, the coordinator, was not going to be punished for this, no discipline, but he did address the team yeah. about it. That's not something that he was – Cromer was going to go to the team and fess up about unless I feel like he had to do it. That somehow well, the, it got out. It's like being in a relationship and you have committed a discretion. Mm. Do you tell your significant other if you know it's going to hurt them more to find out the truth? Well, the three of us wow. have never been involved in a scenario like that. Wes. Yeah, so Wes, what have you done in that situation? <laughs> I I tend to be a guy who tells the truth too much, but in that situation... Well, I, in that situation, I think you go with whatever hurts the person less. Hmm. Well, I mean, Ian... You know, if you looked at his report, his original reporting, he made it clear that he had many sources for that report, and I believe he even specified Bears sources. So it's it's interesting. Even within that, Cromer's one source, but someone else is there is talking to Ian. It's not a totally unique thing, but it's bizarre. And after watching them on Monday night and that just terrible team we've seen, you start to wonder like. Who's who is there next year? He has a seven, there? a seven year, one hundred and twenty six million dollar contract. Is it a surprise that there are people around that team that are freaked out by that? Well, what you also got out of that Monday Night Football game was John Gruden repeatedly, repeatedly ripping Cutler for the same exact things that Cromer was killing him. Right, for. and I and I wonder who Cro- hmm. Gruden talked to before the game. You know, who knows who it was, but it's people on that coaching staff that they don't just say these quotes in a vacuum. The thing with Cromer not getting fired, it's like it, that was nice of Tressman. He doesn't want to kill the guy. But even if Tressman's there next year, there's no he there's no chance that Cromer's with him. The bigger conversation maybe down the line is will Jay Cutler be there? Uh, a lot of stuff going down in Chicago right now. Moving on to Carolina where uh, Ron Rivera said Wednesday he's not sure if Cam Newton or, or Derek Anderson will be starting in a huge Week, week 16 uh, matchup against the Browns on Sunday. Cam Newton, of course, in a big car accident. Uh, last week sat out uh, the win over the Bucks. Derek Anderson got the job done. He's now 2-0 as a starter. And this is what Rivera had to say about who will be quarterbacking. Tomorrow will be a big day, referring to Thursday, especially in the morning, to see where Newton is health-wise. If he's sore, if something's bothering him, the staff put him through very rigorous stuff today with the intention of trying to stress it to see how it feels. So uh, this seems to be very up in the air. And, you know, listen, Derek Anderson has done a pretty nice job so far, obviously. They have two wins and it starts, but they need to get Cam Newton on the field to have any shot, right? The reports we saw today were that Cam Newton looked great in practice and that you couldn't even tell he was injured. Hmm. It seems like he'll play. I mean, the other thing is I, if they ever had to put Derek Anderson in there, Joe Hayden might not play this week. He didn't practice with a shoulder injury. Uh-oh. They They'd could beat get, the Browns at Derek exactly, Anderson. Exactly. They've got a ton of injuries, and all you have to do is Jonathan Stewart has one of his better weeks, which he has had some good months here. I mean, that's that might be all they need. The Bengals won by 30 against Cleveland with a D-plus performance from their quarterback. I think Derek Anderson 
can play better. But it really sounds like it's going to be Cam Newton, which from my I love little storylines. Sometimes I kind of want to see Derek Anderson against the Browns in a fairly big game for both teams. Both. You know, I know the Browns are essentially out of it, but the Panthers wow. are the Panthers are right in it. Wouldn't it be just kind of fun? Derek Anderson, Browns. Derek Anderson well, revenge about game. a couple weeks. I don't know what revenge does he need? He got massively <laughs> overpaid to totally, you know, that's always like the, the underlining thing. Whenever somebody tried to push the revenge game, it, it was the team that made him a multimillionaire many right. times over. Right. They're the, still paying. Him. It would really be more kicking Browns fans in the nether regions once again to lo- to get officially eliminated out of from the playoffs by Derek Anderson would be another indignity Mark. also known as December <laughs> <laughs> Mark do us a favor I know you have some type of poll with the Browns don't lose out here and and scar what's been a nice building season let's get one more win get to 8 and then you build. I think it's got to be You're saying that week. like Aaron Cromer, I'm able to talk to sources within the building. Yes, exactly. All right, uh, to Washington, uh, where Jay Gruden uh, is still talking about Robert Griffin III, of course, because he's back in the starting lineup. They have moved Colt McCoy to injured reserve, another one of Mark's boys. Uh, and now it is RG3's turn. Kirk Cousins, I think Wes, poisoned Jay Gruden's dog, so he is not an option to ever start. They had to go back to RG3. And to me, this is kind of interesting that Gruden, if you remember about a month ago, apologized because he was a little overly critical of RG3 in a press conference. So he came out and said, I shouldn't, you know, said all that stuff. On uh, Tuesday, he had this to say about what Washington needs to do to win with Griffin under center this week. And his, here's his line. It's important for us to have success on first and second down so we don't have to drop back and throw it 30 times a game, have a lead so we don't have to worry about it. Uh, basically saying if we're in a situation where Griffin has to be a real quarterback, we're screwed. That's how I read it. And I, found, I found that to be a weird way to be talking about your starter. Wes. Why? I, that's exactly what I wrote down almost word for word in my Game Rewind notes after watching that game. In the first half, they went play action, and RG3 was able to get out of the pocket and make a few plays. Without the threat of the play action in the second half when they got down, Griffin was terrible. Yeah, he but you're an analyst. Right. He's the head coach, and – Part of being the head coach, I think, on some level is, yes, you shouldn't be lying to the media, but you also you don't need to be so honest to the point where it makes things weird in the locker room Here's and makes the, RG3 uncomfortable. RG3 makes himself uncomfortable. Here's what Jay Gruden's number one job is, what he was brought in to do, develop RG3. And what Steve Young and Trent Dilfer have said, and many other people, is RG3 needs to capitulate to coaching. He needs to be broken like a stallion because he thinks his way to play quarterback is the right way. Jay Gruden is saying, no, your way to play quarterback is the wrong way. And what I think was the breaking point, Jay Gruden was irate when RG3 threw his teammates under the bus when he can't even run the offense. Hmm. And I think everything about Gruden since then has been to point out RG3, you cannot run my offense. You cannot go through the reads. And Kirk Cousins and Colt McCoy do run the offense. So you're saying he's punishing the quarterback through the media for something the quarterback said. I, to, to I'm me, that's saying not a this is part of his development. Activity. He's sending a message to RG3, you've been coddled your whole career. Unless you break yourself down and build yourself up and, and do what an NFL quarterback needs to do, then you're not going to be successful in this league. I think what he said this week was harmless and coaches around the league say that every week about their quarterbacks, about young quarterbacks, that we want to play with the lead, we, we want to stay out of third and longs. That's what everyone they're, says they're That's curf- with young quarterbacks. It seemed like a very benign comment that people were jumping on because of I the previous totally. back well, and that's, forth. Well, it, the whole kerf- kerfuffle started because Mike Jones from the Washington Post phrased a tweet in a way that sounded a lot more poisonous than it was. Right. If you read the whole quote, he has a big preamble about what young quarterbacks need to do and different great quarterbacks that have struggled over time. It's like what he said is what they always say. It's kind of just coach speak. But, I mean, I think you're right, Greg. The thing is that it was another episode of Gruden going to the well and discussing RG3 to reporters. And maybe I think, Wesleyan, you think he's refreshing for – the way he's I don't think it. he's refreshing. Well, you I said think... that downstairs, so that's why I thought that you think that. I did? Yeah, you, many times you said it's refreshing to hear a coach speak honestly about his player this way. I don't, that, I don't think that's the heart of the matter, though. For me, the heart of the matter is he thinks that this is the way to develop RG3. Through, but why, why can this effective breaking down and coaching not happen inside team walls? Why do the reporters need to know about this? I think that... 
taking it public as a way to show RG show first of all show the team that he's not playing favorites that RG3 has been favored by management all along he's been best friends with Daniel Schneider and RG3's gotten away with a lot of stuff and I think this is his way of saying to RG3 look you have to do what I tell you to do your way of quarterbacking is wrong and I think by going to the media that's the way to kind of RG3 has reputations a bit operatic a bit of a diva and I think this is part of Breaking that down. Here's the thing, though. Maybe we, he responds to that more than other things. We've seen reports, though, that Gruden doesn't want anything to do with RG3 in the future. And with two games left in a lost season, he's not looking, if that's the truth, he's not looking to grow RG3 as a player. It seems like it feels like to me he's trying to stick it to the guy. That's my sense, that he doesn't well, see RG3 as a long-term project that he wants to attach himself to. I do think there's a part of sticking it to him for that throwing your teammates under the bus when you can't even operate the offense. Fair. I think that really rankled Jay Gruden. Right. All right. Okay to have a little fire and a little attitude. <laughs> you shouldn't have bleeped out the uh, F-bomb there. No, it's Andrew Luck. He agrees with me. That was a very spirited debate. I love it. All right, a lot of heat. TD, very good. Well, you didn't, not one Bunsen burner blowtorch. I know. That's why I had Andrew Luck. Okay, okay. Moving on. Uh, Reggie Wayne. Uh, here's a little nugget on Reggie Wayne. He played his 209th game as a member of the Colts. That's the most in franchise history on Sunday. But four catches for 24 yards in the game we've been talking about. Reggie Wayne uh, for a couple of weeks on the show as somebody that might be a guy that might be in decline. Uh, Wes, where, where are your thoughts on Wayne right now as a player? Well, I think I've been a little flippant about this, that I haven't given it the nuance it deserves. Reggie Wayne is playing through a torn triceps and is playing as bad as any wide receiver in the NFL. He's also a respected team leader, and I'm sure within those walls they want him to battle. They want him to battle through this and show what he can do. So I feel like – Maybe we should give it a little bit more thought. I mean, you and I have talked about what, what adult, why would adults be interested in sports? Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of speaks to that. That kind of, if you, you mentioned a few minutes ago, I'm thinking like an analyst when I watch Game Rewind. And if I think Mark's probably read this book, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, he makes the point: the analyst. Something is always lost in art or experience when you analyze it. Like Mark Twain, once he became a riverboat pilot and learned the technical side of it, the Mississippi River was no longer beautiful for him. And I think that's part of being an analyst in football. We kind of lose track of what's important about sports. You know, when you get old, you know, athletes naturally rage rage against the dying of light. And I think Reggie Wayne's doing that, and we have to let him do that. I mean, I, I just – I guess I just so wanted to get that off my chest. You you feel badly for being negative to a guy that's been a great player for a long time. Well, I think if you – if I was to hire a sports writer, the first question I was going to ask him is, how do you reconcile the essential meaninglessness of sports? <laughs> wow. I should use that in my interviews with, with the new editors because, downstairs. Because there is an answer. I mean, how do you reconcile watching young men bang into each other and try to advance an inflated pigskin – against marked territory. I mean, that's what you're doing. How do you reconcile the importance of that? And I think it's that at its best, sports is look at what humans can do. This is the best that we can do. It's like Shakespeare's poems or Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. This is going above and beyond. We're sending somebody out there like, you know, we can't get to Mars, so we send the rover. This is, we're going above and beyond. And I think we've seen examples like the best, Willis Reed hobbling out of the tunnel. Kirk Gibson limping up to the plate against an unhittable closer. Michael Jordan in the flu game. When an athlete is injured, and especially towards the end of his career like Reggie Wayne is, look, older players can still get it done. It's just that those those plateaus are fewer and far between, and I think there's something to be said for an older player trying to do that. There could still be something left. There could still be some light in Reggie Wayne. The well, Zen mailman. Well, and that was also – very possibly the last regular season home game of Reggie Wayne's career. And I think what you're getting at is that maybe Reggie Wayne brings something to them just being out there and competing that maybe giving 25 extra snacks to Hakeem Nix isn't, it's not worth it. You well, know what I, I mean? Because he's Reggie Wayne and Hakeem Nix is just Hakeem Nix. And as analysts, we're not going to see football and judge it and judge players' performances weekly the same way that coaching staffs dealing with veterans and human beings and a lot of issues in the locker room will fall short at seeing what they see. Yeah, well said. All right, moving on. Gentlemen, that's, that's, what's, what happening. that's what's happening in the news. 
That was the most intense news segment we've ever had. On this Wes podcast, was on fire, though, man. I love yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could picture like Wes smoking one of those long pipes and sitting on a pillow uh, with the Beatles. As and he not was one filled with story. tobacco, by the way. I mean, Mark was nice. Mark was sleepy when he came up here. He's wide awake now. Some good discussion. <laughs> Gave me ideas, so. ideas for new drops and everything. <laughs> I, I think. Um, I think we should test Wes for PEDs after these last two <laughs> conversations. I would like to have. Ran on a pillow with the Beatles the or whatever. <laughs> All right, moving on. It's time to talk about Mark Sessler. Oh man, what great work he does every week for the Around the NFL group. And he wrote his what? You I, don't I, do. I, I just, you do good I, work. Yes or no? I am going to have it look at your computer, see if you ever <laughs> even clicked on to these two lost in space articles. Uh, they are the grades for the offense and defense sides of the ball for rookies in the NFL. And uh, how do we want to attack this? Do we want to look at uh, Mark's list one by one, or do we want to just draw out somebody that jumps out to you? Why don't we start with the offensive side and the first-round grades? And let's see. we got Greg Robinson right at the top of the list, but a C-. minus. Let's figure out how you have the structure. You don't have a lot of high grades for the rookie class, it looks like. Well, number one I learned when, I, when you do an exercise like this is I'm sure Wes gets with his top ten list. You find out that a large portion of the country, if not the internationally, disagree with you vehemently. <laughs> and, you know, again, this was one guy's attempt at taking a swipe at this. And there, with, with a lot of the offensive players, I did not – one or two guys got like an A-plus or an A for me, and, and that, that was Here sort the, of the height. Here's the A cl- crowd. Zach Martin, A-plus, 16th overall pick. Uh, looks like Jarrah did a good job uh, not picking Johnny Manziel there. Uh, you have Kelvin Benjamin with an A minus, and of course Odell Beckham gets an A plus for his breakout season. Also, Mike Evans A minus, and Mikey Evans A minus as well. I mean, I thought you were very fair. If anything, Eric Ebron kind of stuck out to me. If he wasn't a D, if he wasn't in the D range like I was for geometry freshman year of high school, then mm-hmm. who is? This guy seems like he's lost them a couple games on his own. Thanks. I, I think with that position, too, part of me is like, I, I don't want to, I feel like if you're putting a D or an F, and I did on defense, you're almost kind of writing them off as a project, and I don't with Ebron yet, but he was, he, I switched that grade, I had it lower initially. The grades are also a reminder on offense how, you know, people always say that offensive line, well, that's a safe pick, and uh, you can just plug and play Greg Robinson for 10 years, or Jake Matthews, and those guys have struggled, well, like and, any rookies can, Maybe and maybe Matthews has been struggling battling through an injury and Robinson's had to change positions around a couple times and they could certainly bounce back, but it's no safer taking those guys at the top in the last couple of years. Most of those picks have not really worked out. They've very well. not worked out. I mean, I think that offensive line is a, is an area where we'd all admit we're not, you know, we're not the experts at judging well, what's happening. Play right. Play. Dan is outside yeah. of Dan. We look, who is a, we look to Dan yes, for that. It's like a Brian Baldinger junior. I don't share here. anything though. I keep it all inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've learned that Dan's take on, the key. on Juwan James uh, a few nights ago when we, we were just talking on the Shh, phone and he went secret. on a crazy Juwan James jag. Beautiful. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about that guy. Every night, Jawan James, Jawan James. That's oh. why I've stopped calling Dan on the phone because it's just too much of that. It's like get on. To All right, subject. enough with the guard stuff, bro. I, I like I like that you were putting some grades during the season because I remember right after the draft, you know, there's those grades, and what was the pick that got criticized more than any other? I would say in the entire first round by the you know draft Knicks was Jawan James, who look we're not offensive line experts, but he's what? been better than those other tackles that we've been criticizing. Good pick, Miami Dolphins. You got something to go for. I'll yeah. confess that this is the first I've seen of this list. <sighs> wow, you guys. On offense? Well, we could go to defense. But I, would, I just want to say that I, my one takeaway is that I would not change a single grade. Mark did a heck of a job. Well, you on just this. looked wow. at it for five seconds, literally. I just looked at I you. looked at the grades. Are I'll you that, that on fire that you're a speed reading now? Yeah. <laughs> Teddy, uh, my boy Teddy Bridgewater on there getting a B higher. I, you know, I know a Teddy B, okay? Uh. Uh, let's move on to the defensive uh, uh, piece that Mark wrote. And the, I think I see only one F grade here, and it's for the 26th overall pick, Marcus Smith. Tell us why, Mark. I think for me, because of what I seem to – when I've been reading about him and what the coaches are saying, that they've almost given up on him for this season. He's had to switch positions a few times, and he's going to have to play this week because of injuries. 
But that he's been a, basically not had a snap since week 12. And they've talked about his practice habits, hinting that that's an issue too. And when you're taking 26 overall and basically Howie Roseman, GM, said this was our number one guy on the board, it just feels sort of like a comprehensive failure for the Eagles. By the way, Calvin Pryor at C- is awfully nice of you. Awfully nice. Yeah, I think he's played a little bit better in recent weeks. Um, mm. But he got benched, so he doesn't make any plays. He doesn't make any plays, and mm. he has who's those making other plays on that defense outside Not, of the defense line? Nobody. That's but Calvin thing. Pryor is brought in to be an instant playmaker, and it has been the been the case. Tell me the tell me the guy on defense, Mark, that you watched that you liked the most. Well, Wesleyan actually uh, sent me a vine, I think, in week two or so of Aaron Donald taking out Adrian Peterson <laughs> at light speed. And he's been fun to watch because I think the Rams, people were like, oh, the Rams with all these number one picks. A lot of them, who are they? They haven't really hit one out of the park, and they keep taking defensive linemen. Aaron Donald, to me, is would be my pick for defensive rookie of the year. I would love to hear what you guys think. But C.J. Mosley's second. But Aaron Donald's just been gotten better and better as the season go- has gone on. And he's got more sacks from an in- as an interior lineman than Khalil Mack and C.J. Mosley put together. Uh, yeah, I think Aaron Donald should be the favorite up there with C.J. Mosley. Khalil Mack and Anthony Barr should be in the discussion. Mack's been good. I think the one guy on this list that I would change, I'd give HaHa Clinton Dix a B-plus instead of a B-minus. I think he's been very good. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's certainly jumped into a starting role of late, too, and, and they, the T people around him seem to like him, so that's, that's fair. Shazier is a guy, Ryan Shazier of the Steelers, who you gave an incomplete. You know, he did play a decent amount, not much since Week 9. Now he's back on the roster and he's not even playing he was a guy we thought could maybe win defensive rookie of the year I would say even when he was on the field early in the year he was okay he wasn't a guy who came in right away and made that big time instant impact that we kind of expected all right, gentlemen. Uh, Mark great work on those two pieces you could get them is there a vanity URL on this of course not oh. we could get one no I mean I, I it's just you know it's just you go to work you plug in the copy, you write it out, you You're print it, you move it did on great. to the next story. It did great. And, and just to show he doesn't play favorites, he gave Justin Gilbert from the Browns a D. Well, we knew you know Mark wouldn't I mean? be – go, if Mark was going to go one way with the Browns, it would be toward the harsher end. I'd be the same way with the Jet. You just get – like, that's why I think Calvin Pryor did worse than he – I mean, he, he, he even pointed out Kawan Williams, undrafted, looks better than Justin Gilbert. Looks a lot better. Though. How about a little bonus money sent uh, Mark's way? Maybe he could be a two-time MVP award winner. All right, so before we move on, our boss, Greg Rosenthal, had to step out of the studio because big news out of Chicago where the Bears, according to NFL Media Insider Ian Rappaport, have benched Jay Cutler for Jimmy Clausen. For Jimmy Clausen, according to two sources informed of the situation. Uh, Rappaport previously reported that Mark Tressman considered benching Cutler when the team was trailing at halftime to the Bucks in Week 12. Cutler has continued to struggle since that game. Uh, and now the decision has been made in a lost year for Chicago to move on from Cutler and start Clawson. And obviously, like I said, the season, they're, they're not going anywhere this season. But what does this mean long term? It obviously seems to be pointing toward the end of Jay Cutler in Chicago, correct? It is. I Last offseason, I did a study when I was doing a Matt Schaub post on franchise quarterbacks over the age of 30 who have been benched in season. The lone exception is Kurt Warner as far as ever coming back and having sustained success as a franchise quarterback again. So out of 10 or 15 guys who were over 30 and were viewed as franchise quarterback, only one has come back and reached a high level. I mean, you're taking even beyond the Bears' end of it. You're saying this is the sign, at least uh, going by the data, that he's just done. Jay Cutler, this is now the long decline for a guy that just signed a massive contract. Uh, yeah, I think I compare him somewhat to a guy like Jim Everett, who was in a similar situation, had a big arm and big stats, but never won again after that. It seems like it's not just a physical thing with Cutler. It's, you know, he left Denver with some ill rapport going on with that coaching staff, and that was their franchise quarterback there. Goes to Chicago, hasn't produced. You know, offensive coordinator, how many offensive coordinators he left in his dust? Ron Turner, Mike Martz, Mike Tice. Right. And now Aaron Cromer. 
and Mark Tressman got brought in chiefly because he was known as the, quote, quarterback whisperer, and that started off promisingly enough last year, but it has been downhill since. And then we'll talk about the financial side of it. The Bears owe Cutler $15.5 million fully guaranteed next season as part of that seven-year deal he signed in January. But, Wes, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're tied to him really beyond that. It doesn't. Uh, NFL media's Charlie Casserly, a former general manager for the Texans, and he worked for the Redskins, Explained this yesterday on our airwaves that the Bears can cut him, and if another team signs him, which we expect that another team will sign him as the starter, they might not give him $15 million, but if they give him $10 million, that counts against what the Bears will owe him. So they can cut him, and if it was $15 million, maybe they'll only owe him $5 million. And that financially, depending on where you are salary cap-wise, over the next, that may be worth it to them if they want to completely start fresh. I mean, the other question is, does Tressman stick around? Does the GM stick around? But this is on the GM to have created this contract. And, by the way, there's now most likely another team that's going to be in the top 10 or 12 in the draft that will be looking for a quarterback. It's To me, Jimmy Clausen's not the answer. This is a stopgap guy. They're either going to uh, try to find someone else and free To me, my opinion is that Cutler's done after a decision like this. I guess it could change with new uh, management and new coaching, but it seems like Cutler's played his last game in Chicago, right? Yeah, I think that's an important distinction. He's not getting benched for a first-round pick like Johnny Manziel. He's getting benched for Jimmy Clausen, who has already washed out of the league, and Mark and I saw him in an elevator with <laughs> basically a beer gut how many months ago. Well, that was at the Super Bowl. He wasn't. He probably didn't know he'd be starting for the Bears at this point in his I hope he still then. has that beer gut. I hope he shows up on the field with a massive beer gut. That would be fun. I would enjoy it. Sure, that would be an, an interesting footnote to all of this. <laughs> yeah, so that is the big news of Week 16 and the end of the season. I mean, this is it's going to be a chaotic offseason in Chicago, and this is the sign that we are heading towards some crazy stuff in Chi-Town. All right, so that was uh, pretty wild news, but let's get to the real big story of Week 16, and that is Thursday night football, gentlemen. Tennessee Titans against the Jacksonville Jaguars, this game being played in Jacksonville, and Mark, I think we don't need to get too caught up with this game, Mark and Wes, but uh, what is the biggest thing to you that jumps out to you about what this game means? Well, I think a lot of people, I hear it all week long, the rip in this game, but you know, there is, if you're these two 2-12 two teams, you're operating in reverse order, and your fan base at least is thinking about the draft, and I, I think it's an, always an interesting dynamic, these fans, they may want to lose this game because you could get set up very well, the loser of this game, to get the number one draft pick. That's not how coaches think, but fans certainly do at this point in the year. Titans are down to Charlie Whitehurst at quarterback. The only thing to root for in this game is Good the number ball, one Jesus. pick. Yeah, I mean, yep. this game is more important to Titans fans than Jaguars fans. Which of these two teams is closer to turning around? I think the Jaguars, because I, I believe Blake Bortles can be their quarterback of the future, and the Titans don't have a, a quarterback of and, the future. And look for, if the Jaguars were to end up with the first pick, they would be, unless there was somebody they were absolutely in love with at number one, look for them to trade out of that pick because they have their quarterback or they believe they have him and clean up on some poor team using the Jets as an example, but certainly also the Tennessee Titans as an example, somebody that will trade up to get that one spot. So from an actual game perspective, there might not be that much to get excited about, but it, the game could have huge ramifications for the big picture of the NFL. That's the best we could do. That's not bad, right? That was, that was well orchestrated. Move on. All right, moving on. And we are going to move on to uh, the mailbag, as I said, the uh, around the NFL listeners who are just amazing I say it all the time. Um, when, sometimes when I, I'm talking to friends at a bar or on the phone, uh, some friends back home, and I explain like how passionate the fans are, and I send the tweets, and it's, it's amazing how great you guys are. We appreciate you so much. And when I sent out a prompt for some questions for the mailbag, immediately roughly 6.4 million questions. <laughs> Not accurate. But there were a lot, and I sifted through them, and I just picked a few if you, if you are chosen Congratulations, you are part of the Around the NFL podcast forever. And if you weren't chosen, you know. Keep trying. This will happen again. Well, what Mark's really saying is be better. That too. Let's start with uh, Christopher. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Watchin, but uh, he's at, at Sing for the Day. That's a nice Twitter handle. I like that. Uh, we, here is the question. We all know about the breakup songs list, but what does Chris listen to when he's in a relationship? I have very eclectic music taste. I like jazz, folk, 
old country, rock and roll, hip hop. But we're specifically when Chris is in love and Wes and the birds are chirping ahead, overhead, what are you listening to? I have a list. I have playlists on Spotify that I listen to. There's one he called, does. if you want to look up my Spotify, there's one called Road Trip. There's one called Saturday in December. These are my go-to playlists. But is there one called I'm in Love? No. Well, that's the question. No. It's not like David Cassidy or anything like that. <laughs> You're saying you can't program love. Is that the answer to this question? You That's, don't know? That is a very deep way to put it, and I salute you. I can't, I can't match the depth that you brought earlier in the show today, but I do, I do say that. Moving on, this one from – you guys are putting, on me, putting me on the spot. Hakan Ang at uh, Ang Hakan uh, says – Who? I don't know. He seems or she seems – he seems like a very good person. Will we have the honor to see you guys at the 2015 Stockholm World Championships? Oh, without question. I mean, that, yeah, this well, is yeah. like, that will be there. We've, we booked our, our hotels uh, two years ago, actually. Is this like log spinning, caber tossing? What sport are we talking about here? I don't know. We'll be there, though. If oh, you okay. if you uh, give us beer and um, food, pretzels, and other things and put a roof over our head. Housing. Housing. We will be there. Stockholm, too. Nice dating pool. Uh, well, for Wes. <laughs> For Mark and I, just a, a landline so we could reach our families and tell them that we love them. Moving on, this one from Damashek at Damashek. You might know him. He is verified on Twitter. Come on, player. What's that? What's up with that? This one was actually to me. Do you feel it's a form of emotional abuse to make your young child a Jets fan? And it's it's a, a shot. Listen, I get it. It's a shot by uh, Dave. Uh, this was uh, tied to uh, me and Handsome Hank. Uh, notorious uh, programmer, programmer Hank saying to me, me and him went back and forth about the Dolphins and the Jets earlier today. He jumped in. Dave did. And I will say that being a Jet fan is horrible, and uh, but it builds character. But when my son was born, when Jack was born, and I did, I think I told you the story in the podcast, when I got some Jets pajamas and stuff for him, it did cross my mind, do I want to put him through this? Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Ultimately, I said, I got to take him along with me because otherwise, you know, that that's empty and hollow. And what if the Jets became great and my, my son missed out on that? So that's why I'm sticking with him. Jack's being raised in L.A. and soon he will have his own team to root for. Well, that's something I need to battle, too. There are a lot of battles on that front. But, yes, I, I've thought about it, but he's going to be a Jets fan if I have something to do with it. Uh, here's a good question uh, to the group. Do you think Antonio Gates is a Hall of Famer? Yes, I would agree with that. I don't know why I can't put myself in that club. I know that he last two seasons also, if he would have had if he has one more great season, but he's kind of trailed off the last two years in a row. And I've never looked at him the way I look at like Gronk, even when he was at maybe at Gronk's his apex. Gronk's the greatest tight end in history. Potentially, yeah. But I don't see Gates as quite that player. Mind-blowing stat on Gronk? Yes. I believe he has 54 touchdowns in 50 game, 56 games. It took Tony Gonzalez twice as many games to get to that mm. touchdown. Run. Unbelievable. And that's a guy that's had significant injury issues too, Gronk, and he's overcome them and has never missed a beat. I see Antonio Gates is better than Shannon Sharp. Yeah, I guess you could say that. That's fair. Gates will probably get in. Sometimes in these debates it's that, oh, people can think of Shannon Sharp being attached to these championship teams too. And you're hard if you're hard pressed sometimes if you're not in one of those teams that had a that Antonio Gates moment in January. Mm. But he made a good point over the summer that basically I never played in college. I'm fresher than people realize. My career is not over. Okay. I think he's looked that way this year. This one's from Mike at M I K underscore E un, underscore C A F. That's a that's a D plus Twitter handle. That's you got to clean that up. Clean it up, Mike. But this is a good question. Which team makes the best half halftime adjustments? I don't I don't know, Patriots, who cares? The second part of the question I like better. Which of you heroes is the best skier? Snow ski or water ski? I would I I looked at it as snow skier, but I guess it could be water ski. Never no snow skied I in did my a life. lot of snow skiing growing up. You had some Colorado ties too, didn't you, Mark? And never actually skied when I was in Colorado, but would ski in like the badlands of Vermont. Um, but that was we're, know, we're Vermont talk, had Badlands. We're talking twenty, thirty years ago. <laughs> so I mean, right. this is not this is not a new hobby. So I wouldn't put myself in the running. TD, uh, you have an additional question. Read it out, like you read the rest of it. Oh, them. look at that! From <laughs> at producer TD. Uh-oh. What's your favorite route concept? What a jerk! <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I like the wheel. Uh, moving on, this is from Kevin Brown, not the surly major league pitcher. This is at Cavillion. Kevin Brown, what's more likely? Manziel, I believe he's referring to Johnny Football, makes a Pro Bowl or is out of the league in two years. This is a good what's more likely. Can we get a what's more likely drop? What's more likely? Well, I, I would just say Thank with you. the way quarterbacks are that I, w- I would go Pro Bowl. I don't think either are likely. But you, you don't see a first-round quarterbacks disappearing out of the league in two years. If he's, if he's not in Cleveland, someone else is going to take a shot on him. You are out on Johnny Manziel. No, I'm not at all. I, 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 you I, say I, it's I, unlikely he'll ever make a Pro Bowl. That's what you just said. I said it's more likely that, the, that he'd get a Pro Bowl. Okay. I misheard you then. I apologize. Yeah, I, I don't think any quarterback, unless they are an undrafted nobody, is out of the league in two years. Yeah. Even Brandon Whedon sure. got the, another Cole job. Cole McCoy's still floating Tim around. Tebow, three years. Yeah, Tim Tebow. The only thing that's a little bit like Manziel is the the high octane like media factor involved. But Tebow gimmick offense. I would say that that Manziel has some quarterbacking gifts that Tebow does not. I agree with that. But uh, he has been mentioned in the same breath no, with you're right. Tebow by critics. Right. I am gonna uh, refrain from an answer on that one because I don't like either choice. Okay, that <laughs> seems a little extremist. It's a little extremist in the question asking, if you ask yeah. me. Well, he said, "What's more likely?" It's not yeah, like saying what's going to happen. But uh, you know, listen, I think we're going to survive. We move on to Tom Marshall at Red Zone Tommy. UK. No, Tom Marshall is from the UK, so it's not Tommy. It's oh, this isn't Tommy. Oh, hello, Thomas. Thomas. This Thomas. isn't the guy who won thirty grand. Maybe. I, I assume at this point everyone has won thirty grand off FanDuel, <laughs> except for us in this room. Uh, and by the way, I've gotten your tweets, everyone from overseas on FanDuel. I guess you have no access to it if you're not from the United States. I, I don't know. Tough cookies. I didn't know that either until I started getting your tweets. You know, it's great service though, that FanDuel. This is from Tom Marshall. With the season end uh, near, can you, and quote, fork the career of a player or two? Reggie Wayne and MJD for me, Tom says, and those seem like fair choices. Two guys, uh, once great players that Seen, sorry to bring up Reggie Wayne, Wes, by the way. I um, apologize. I feel like I'm being evasive in this whole question and answer section, but <laughs> I have always been philosophically opposed to fans and media telling a player when his career is done. So I, I would I don't want any part of this. I used to I liked Wes, who just had hardcore opinions. This softer version of Wes doesn't. I've do it always me. thought this. I remember when sports writers were telling Dan Marino to hang him up, and I'm like, "Who do you think you are?" All right, put it this way. I'll rephrase the question. I said it downstairs. Not it's not over for you. Go go uh, to a farm and retire from football. It's a guy that was a great player or a very good player or was a highly touted player. You now believe that maybe he's never going to be that guy again, or never going to realize his potential. That's a different question. If you want to go from that angle, uh, why well, why not Trent Richardson? Okay, it's certainly fair. First round pick. Is that guy in the league next year? Yes, but I mean, I don't think any team can look at him at this point, whether it's the Colts or otherwise, as anything other than one of your rotational backs, maybe a backup. Do you want to put a high octane sandwich on that? I think he gets cut next summer. When and doesn't play in the league next year. I got. A, I just got a bit of a sessler. I will. I would bet you a sandwich on that. I don't bet. It's just a wager. I'll wager. Proposition. I'll wager. Proposition. A thank you. Yeah. He'll I, be in the league next. I year. have an answer now that you rephrase the question. Okay. Andre Johnson. Okay. Has clearly been bypassed by DeAndre Hopkins. I believe Hopkins has the greatest percent of his uh, team's receiving yards of any receiver in the league. But his the one thing I'll say about Johnson, I'm not sure that he's all the way in mentally there either. Oh, I think he is. Yeah. Uh, mine would be uh, Wes Welker of the Broncos. I think that this is something maybe over the past two years we've seen because he's had the health issues, but he's become a human six-yard gain uh, receiver. I mean, <laughs> Which would be great for Trent Richardson. He'll, <laughs> he catches it. That's dumb. That's too, <laughs> twice as T-Rich. Uh, he catches it, and he just seems to be – he can't shed anybody anymore. It has no real acceleration. So I think Welker, we've seen the best of Welker, and uh, I don't know what his future holds, so that is – that question, Wes, sorry to get uh, so negative. Uh, this one kind of, and I'll look toward the glass on this one, from Tom at Budgie is here. Why aren't there more gold standard cameos, TD? Well, you know, it's a whole production scene we have back here, and Gold Standard is a busy man, very bright young man, working on some great things, and uh, he comes up here when he can, and uh, we have a whole team, though. It's not just Gold Standard. We have Z Drizzle. We have Rob C. We have, you know, K-Rich. social media Mike, K. Rich. You know, so we got a whole team, but uh, 
He's busy working on some good things, and hopefully he'll be back here. Cause you know me, I love my days off. So <laughs> we know <laughs> you do. Uh, since we're here, TD, one more toward you, Adam Thompson. Uh, Thompson A, 2006. I like this part of the show. By Odds the that Megatron averages eight TDs over the next two games to make Black Tie look like a genius. <laughs> Black Tie, of course, predicted 25 touchdowns for Calvin Johnson. I'm crazy for predicting that the best wide receiver of our generation was going to have a career year and break records. No, a historic year, yeah. Well, you got it wrong. Um, sorry, dude, it's over. Yeah. Does Matthew Stafford even have 25 TDs? I not even close. Uh, this one from an injury, though. A couple more from Mitch. Who do you consider better at their respective position, Watt or Rodgers? Real quick, guys. Watt, he's the best at any position. I'll go Rodgers because I think that's the hardest position in sports. And finally, is he saying compared to his peers? Yeah, at their at the yeah, position. I think that's Watt. And finally, Sam Brown at Mr. Sam Brown. Mark, this is for you, and you got to be honest. We're in the trust tree. Okay. Have the Cleveland Browns ever made you shed a tear? Yes. Specifically, uh, not the drive. You were a factory of sadness. Oh, you know wow. that'll be fine. The timing. A- after the fumble, I was in seventh grade when the fumble happened, and I could not quite comprehend that it was real. And How there old were rumors you? the next day that the refs were going to reverse some call, and it didn't. That was just garbage. Didn't happen. And I was uh, probably twelve. And you cried. Yeah. Yeah. I got very emotional when. Uh, when Game 5 at the Kingdom in 95, when Don Mattingly's career ended, I remember going on a long walk as a 15-year-old boy knowing that I would never see my hero play again. That was the only time I've ever truly feel, felt like I was on the edge. Uh, but I don't know if I ever sobbed over it. Well, I'm a more emotional person than you You are did. an emotional guy. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. Donnie Ball game. All right, that's it for... Uh, thank you again for everyone sending in your questions. That's... Uh, Wednesday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We will be back on Thursday where we'll uh, break down that powerhouse Thursday night game and then get into all the Sunday action uh, and I'm sure dig in a little bit more on the Jay Cutler situation, which is pretty wild. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and TD behind the glass. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.